Hi, this is Marcy Cravat from DirtRichTheMovie.com. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Hi. Are you feeling tired, irritable, stressed out? Well, you might consider nature. From the people that brought you getting outside comes prescription strength nature, a non-harmful medication shown to relieve the crippling symptoms of modern life. Nature's recommended for humans of all ages, and it's great for pets, too. Nature can reduce cynicism, meaninglessness, anal retentiveness, and murderous rage. In clinical studies, nature is proven to decrease work-induced catatonia. Caution. Nature may cause you to slow down, quit your job, or seriously consider what the f*** you're doing with your life. Do you have trouble being even mildly uncomfortable? Nature may not be right for you. Side effects may include spontaneous euphoria, taking yourself less seriously, and being in a good mood for no apparent reason. So ask your doctor if nature is right for you. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And welcome to the show. And you know what? This works. Hey, hey. Wow. I did the Ron Cowgill workaround. Chewing gum and bailing wire? It's, well, the chewing gum. I need the chewing gum and bailing wire for this mic stand that just keeps <laughs> some duct dro- tape, perhaps. still drooping. <laughs> it's still drooping from last week, and it just will continue to droop. That's okay. the weather. But the other thing is plugging the headsets over here. Hold on, let me turn these up. There you go. I'll just boost it just a little bit. Ron said, "Don't plug into the box that's right in front of you. That doesn't work." <laughs> I wish he'd have told me that two and a half years ago. Uh but now we, there we are. Yay. Hey, folks, uh, it's snowing. <laughs> oh, is that what that was? It's the middle of April. I mean, I'm, look out the window. It's coming down. It's It, it looks like. We it's, can't even say it's coming down in buckets. It's coming down in shovelfuls. Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. It's, oh, it's, oh, oh. oh and, and, and Andrew knows that because he played a couple of roles in there. By the way, Andrew. Next year, when you play uh, a role in my annual presentation of It's a Wonderful Slice of It's a Wonderful Life, in which we do the whole movie in about 12 minutes, usually I can do it in 10, but when I have an extra cast of characters like you and Ron Cogill, it goes longer, uh, I'm going to make you do voices. Uh, he didn't, you did it really straight this past. I know. I was disappointed with my performance. <laughs> I thought it I could have done new. so much better. It, you were new. 
Yeah, you and were, I, and because I wanted you to, you know, he, I had you play Zuzu, and uh, and you need to say, uh, teacher says, you know, you got to do the whole. I got to uh, do the falsetto, the falsetto, voice. which we'll do next time. So, <laughs> I'm but I'm looking out the window, and it looks like it's a wonderful life. The the fake snow they had in California when they shot the movie in 1946 uh, or seven, I think it was 46. They shot it, and it was released mm-hmm. in 47. It, the flakes are that. I get up, I look out, my daffodils are blooming, and it's snowing. And they're shivering, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to get creamed. Yeah. Not that it's going to, there's not going to freeze them. The weight of the snow mm-hmm. is going to bend them over yeah. uh, because this is a heavy, wet snow. And here we are in the middle of April. So uh, Mr. DeMaio is going to take. He's, he's got been, some weather splaining oh to do. Oh, my gosh, he's been sending us stuff. Um. And uh, uh, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But here's here's partly what we need to do today. Um, we we had a guest scheduled, uh, Willie Smits, uh, who's a world renowned microbiologist, conservationist, animal rights activist, um, wilderness engineer. He's rebuilding the the rainforest mm-hmm. in Borneo. Um, he's in the Netherlands at a hackathon. And and we thought we were going to get him on the show today, and that didn't work out uh, for various reasons. So uh, we're we're in free fall for the first hour here. I mean, we got lots of stuff to talk about. Here's what I want to do, though. I want to open up the phone lines, 877-711-5611. Now, if you're listening in other parts of the country, uh, you can call us in there. If you're listening on delay, well, obviously you can't. Because uh, something, some sometimes this. Well, well you portion... can, but you won't get us. That's you'll get right. Somebody else. <laughs> you'll, you'll get Randall saying, "No, no, no, you needed to call last week." Uh, but at eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven, I want to hear what are you doing in your garden right now? Are you growing seeds? We're going to talk about some of the seeds that uh, uh, Peggy and I have started. We're ta- I'm going to talk about some of the prep. We picked up some straw bales mm-hmm. yesterday at the farmers market. Uh, we did a, a Facebook Live uh, hit on that, and, with, with, and then one with Ron Cowgill from Mighty House yeah. Home Improvement Radio uh, out here and back. We got a straw bale sitting out in the snow now. Well, I have a tarp in my car, but it's probably by the time that the show ends, too late. it's going to be too Missed late. Miss that up window of opportunity. And uh, we might even give away some goodies, some prizes, uh, yeah. if if uh, you call in, 877-711-5611, or write us on Facebook or on Twitter and say, hey, I want to talk about this uh, thing. Uh, about my garden, or this is what I'm doing in my garden. And watch us on Facebook right now. You are the Mike Novak Show, you listeners today. So give us a holler. We'll be right back. Want to put more life into your backyard soil? The folks at Blazing Star Nursery were amazed at how biologicals from a company called Tinyo helped transform a barren former cornfield to a vibrant native landscape. Now they recommend those products to home gardeners. Tinyo's microbial mycorrhizal fungi and enzymes can be used on all types of crops to improve plant health and overall production. Go to blazing-star.com and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. 
Farm Forward is a team of people just like you helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story we tell about animal agriculture. Farm Forward is shaping the future of food with a twin focus on animal welfare certification and reducing the consumption of animal products. We are changing farming by working with farmers to build alternatives to the factory farm and developing food systems that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, head to www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to receive the latest news about how we're transforming our food system and what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. I want that uh, to come back. It, it, back in the 90s, mm-hmm. which seems like a gazillion years ago, this was that sort of neo-big band phase yeah. where everybody was doing that. Brian Setzer. Right. And uh, who was uh, the uh, little bit of, uh, makes you, you know, who was that guy? The the Mambo number 5. Oh, yeah. That was can't part remember of, his name. Yeah. yeah. Big, bad, big Bad Voodoo Daddies. Right. All those. Stray Cats. Yeah, uh, I want that back. I really like that sound. I thought that was really good. But, you know, I'm living in the past, and I can't connect to your phone either, I think. Well, uh, you are connected. It's telling me, you know what, it's just, I'm just going to have to reboot everything here. I think that's the way it's going to work, because I don't oh, think dear. that's, yeah. Uh, welcome to <laughs> Sunday morning at the radio station. Close all the tabs. Uh, close everything that's no! uh yeah, just close it all. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> There's and, good radio for you. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm just going to close my tabs here uh, while you guys are all uh, waiting to, to do something. And, uh, uh, oh, yeah, save that. And Wow, it's like coming down sideways I'm telling outside you, right it's now. It's nuts. Let's, let's go real quickly through some of the stuff that Rick DeMaio sent us. Um, uh, have you got the latest? Cause yeah, Rick, uh, a little while ago, morning snow update came in as the <laughs> subject <laughs> line. Morning snow update. Old AP machine. Uh, please see the Midwest oh, Travel wait, wait. Cam website. There oh, we, we got go. a five dinger. He says, quote, there are many roads in central Illinois that are already snow covered, especially I-74 in western Illinois. At least one to two inches of slush has covered many of the highways that were warmer than the Chicago area yesterday. Therefore, says Rick, expect widespread one- to two-inch snowfall on all surfaces once the precipitation begins to increase in the next two hours. He says the heaviest snowfall will occur between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. and fall generally west of I-294 and west of I-55 due to the strong northeast winds keeping the city and nearshore suburbs slightly warmer due to the wind off the lake, which would explain why it's blowing horizontally past the window. Holy caboli. Quote, this will be a snowy event for sure. This is not normal. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things, uh, and this is, I don't think this is even 
the uh, the bomb cyclone no, that, that is... came through that came through yeah. a few days and you know and our friends I listening at KOTA uh, in Rapid City South Dakota uh, got hammered wow. with snow yeah and in in that that part of the country and now this is a different yeah. storm boy it and, just goes on and on and on and the really good thing is you know where we were supposed to be today. That's true. We were supposed to be at a garden center opening. We were supposed to be at where we're going to be next week. All right, let's put it that way. <laughs> we were supposed to be uh, with the folks at uh, City Grange, which is opening next Sunday. They moved it back because they heard about this. Mm-hmm. And remember a week ago, I said to Rick DeMaio, our meteorologist, I said, Rick, I'm hearing that there's going to be snow and he said, snow? Snow? Who told you that? <laughs> so now we're watching it come down. The folks from City Grange did. Wow. So they were supposed to have their grand opening this weekend. It's been moved to April 19th through 21. We're going to be there next Sunday. Yes. At 5500 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. So basically it's Western and Catalpa. And it's an old garage uh, that they've converted into a garden center. Uh, and um, we will be broadcasting live, so come on by. Uh, the, the place opens at 9, so it coincides mm-hmm. perfectly with our show, and uh, we hope a bunch of people show up, stop by, and uh, get there. You know, by that week, we're hoping that it gets up mm-hmm. to 30, I don't know, 35, 36 yeah. degrees. Uh, well, Ellie know. said it was going to be 60, so we're going to hold Ellie to that, that it's going to be 60. She's in there smiling and shaking her head right now, but... Uh, um, you know, next weekend, I think, is based on the forecast I saw, 50-60, we'll have to ask Rick. But if you go to citygrange.com or go to their Facebook page, there's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's there's a whole schedule of things. There's music, there's demonstrations, there's us. There's radio, live radio. and uh, Be there. So, uh, again, uh, we're uh, asking people uh, that uh, to call in, 877-711-5611, tell us what's going on. What you were, what were you, what were you planning to do in your yard until uh, it started snowing, uh, like uh, we were in Anchorage uh, this morning? So uh, uh, we we'd love to hear from you. Meanwhile, uh, you and I have been putting stuff together. We we mentioned Casey Tomato, our buddy mm-hmm. out in uh, Kansas City, Mo, um, th- last week. We gave him a quick shout out because he has he sent us tomato seeds. All right, now I've got mine here. I've got the page somewhere. Got my list here. I found it. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I and I put mine in here too. Come on, Mikey. I know it's here because I put it in the bag. Oh, so for on. those who don't know, <laughs> shut up, Wesley. <laughs> so oh, oh well, that's something else I meant to oh, play yeah. too because uh, I was on. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. It played on its own. Stream there. of consciousness radio here, folks. <laughs> right. That's because I was watching the Weather Channel, unfortunately. Uh, no, I love, you know, I, when I'm covering weather stuff, that's great. My only argument with them is that they name storms. And the, the, the bomb cyclone that came across, they were calling Wesley. And all I could think of is, shut up, Wesley. Perfect. So that was the bomb cyclone. Now, wait a second. I have my, I can't believe it's not here. I put it in there. This is not. This is not real. This is not normal. This is not normal. Yeah, I could play that too. <laughs> Ooh, oh, there it is. The microphone finally adjusted itself. Wow. Oh, good. How about that? So our buddy Casey Tomato, he heard us talking about getting our tomatoes uh, rolling, and and mine are under my Happy Leaf Grow Light. Mine too. And um, 
they are doing very well. I think all of them germinated, so we're very, mm-hmm. very happy about that. Um, and and Casey does a lot of his own tomato breeding. Right. So we've got some some special mixtures he's created. Exactly. Now I got <laughs> the first one on the list is. 4-5L-2-3-4-3-2-4. Thanks. That's a catchy name, <laughs> don't you think? Uh, but he says this is a line that the growers and chefs in the University of Wisconsin Seed to Kitchen program really like. It has a unique genetic trait that comes from a wild species, the deeper orange color. And I love orange tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of the predominantly producing lycopene or beta carotene, it produces mostly delta carotene. Hmm. It does have some lycopene, he writes. This, in part, contributes to flavor, but also may have other nutritional benefits. Currently, there isn't much nutritional research out there on delta carotene, so one can't exactly claim any specific benefit. <laughs> It also has in its background an heirloom tomato. This one isn't very large, but not a cherry either. So this is sort of a... Probably a garden gem size, maybe. Uh, who knows? Something. Yeah, that's what I would think. And golf ball uh, size. Uh, which we are we are also growing. So uh, that's the 4-5L-2- <laughs> Never mind. Uh, and, and boy. And... Well, he did say, if you want, you can say 4-5L- blah, blah, blah. Okay. He typed that on mine. Oh, did he? He yeah. didn't type that on mine. I'm just going to call it the blah, blah, blah. That is now the name of it, the blah, blah, blah tomato. Then there was a Delta Queen, and you got one of these too, right? No. Oh, I got the Delta Queen, uh, which is actually a 6-23-6-4-1-1. Catchy name. Uh-huh. But it has a real name, Delta mm-hmm. Queen. And if he's listening, he's... I don't know if he's, he's... He's hitting his head on the keyboard I know. right about kaboom, now. Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. You can just hear that right now. Um, now, that one, this is a larger delta carotene tomato. Mm-hmm. It has a different parentage lineage uh, than 4-5L. Fruit should be uh, medium to larger beefsteak-like. I prefer the taste of this one over the 4-5L or the blah, blah. That we got to keep calling it the blah blah. The large heirloom parent in its background is Omar's Lebanese. Okay, hmm. it's not particularly early in maturity. Yield for me tends to be moderate. Best I can tell, no one has ever released a Delta carotene tomato. The purpose here was to get the Delta trait in a large background, and then start to incorporate disease resistance and other improvements from there. It has been work just trying to get size. The original wild-type source was a small cherry similar to these. Uh, and then he has a... I think that's what the photo yeah. he, he... So so there you go. There's I have a Delta Queen, and that is germinating right now. Then he says it's both Sun Lucky, right? Right. You handle that. And he says the Sun Lucky is a larger cherry-type tomato that comes from a cross of Sun Gold X, or Sun Gold and Little Lucky. It has a unique tropical taste to it. The fruit will be blushed orange, red, yellow, and maybe somewhat pointed at the blossom end. It can take a little while to set some fruit, um, especially under higher temperature. But set fruit develop their best flavor under higher temperatures. 
and all uh-huh. are indeterminate. So I'm I'm really looking forward to these. Um, he also sent me a 16H11-17K lower V-3. Wait, if we already have a blah, blah, blah tomato, what do we call that one? A 16H11-17K. No, that's the yada yada. Ah, okay. the 16H11 yada yada. But it's a paste-like tomato. It's got a tendency to, produ- to produce heart-shaped fruit. Um, it should be sweet, unlike aroma paste tomato, not necessarily the best for sauce. Um, pink fruit should produce yellowish stripes on the skin, and the foliage may randomly show variegation. Um, and it's, uh, he says, heart tomatoes tend to have new growth look a little droopy, like it needs water. Like a microphone? Yeah, like a studio microphone here. Like a here. studio microphone. Mm-hmm. But he says that's just a character trait, that most heart-shaped tomatoes are going to look droopy. But that's just the way they are. They don't need water. They don't have a problem. Interesting. That's pretty so cool. So we need to get Casey back on talking about how he breeds some of these tomatoes. Well, and the question to ask him, and maybe, Ellie, you could shoot out a tweet to a KC tomato, tomato, because he's usually on Twitter following us, even if he's not listening. Um are any of these tomatoes that he's breeding available to the public at large? I don't know, tell you the truth. I'm not sure they are, because I think he sort yeah, of I does think this. He's, he's doing his breeding programs. That, I seem to recall when he was on, he was talking about maybe getting some commercial down the line. And that might be the case. And, you know, and he, he goes up to these conferences. He was uh, up to the one in Wisconsin. I can't remember the name of right now. That was in September, I believe. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he was in September uh, showing off his tomatoes yeah, there yeah. uh so so what what else do you have growing you know garden gems garden treasures oh right i've got okay so that's the kc tomato line of tomatoes yes that i've got going and then we have the dr harry clee who's at the university of florida and his line of tomatoes he's got the garden gem the garden treasure and the new what new hybrid is what mm-hmm. it was called i'm not sure if he's given it a name it's now wisconsin 55 i think no, 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 no. That uh, Wisconsin Fifty Five no, is an air, is an heirloom variety. No, there's another name to it. Yeah, because I have I have it too. Because I'm growing Wisconsin Fifty Five. In fact, well, I only got one, exactly one, Wisconsin Fifty Five to germinate. I think I got four, so you'll get one or two. Uh, of those. Oh, well, that's okay. Uh, you only need one. Wisconsin Fifty Five yeah. is a really prolific. Oh, yeah. Well, so are the the garden gems. So and the, the garden, garden gems. So are the garden treasures. So are the garden or the new hybrid, or whatever it's being called. Now, see, those are out of the University of Florida, and Dr. Harry Klee has been trying to create the perfect tomato. And when we say the perfect tomato, he's talking about tomatoes that are prolific, like those are, that ship well, and that taste good. I mean, you try to get all you can. That's the problem with with the the tomatoes you often buy in a store. Uh, That is that they... uh, they don't taste good. They'll ship. Mm-hmm. They'll ship like, you know, and they ship them when they're green so they can ripen on the way. Uh, and uh, they 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 can handle that. And those plants are prolific. And, you know, and, and if you read the stories, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, uh, okay. Um, in fact, why don't we do that now? We'll get back to the story. Well, very briefly, that his deal was to, to uh, put together – a uh, a tomato that would have all those characteristics. Yeah. And when he first came out with Garden Jam, the problem was a lot of the growers said it's too small. 
but it's not that small. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's just, ball. but they want their size. Their salad it, tomatoes. Their whatever it is they have. Oh, well. Okay, we'll be back with this discussion. Give us a call, 877-711-5611. Come on, folks. We want to give away stuff. Come on, we got some valuable prizes for you. Wally prizes. we got valuable Wally prizes here. Meanwhile, got a minute for your trees? You should know that Bartlett Tree Experts is is a presenting sponsor of the Morton Arboretum Plant Clinic. I received the first plant health care report of the 2019 season the other day. Peggy and I were talking about it, and it reminded me about tomorrow. No, I'm not talking about tax day. April. No. <laughs> well, which I still have to send mine in. <laughs> Me too. It's done. It just I, I need to hit send. Um, I forgot to do that. April 15th also marks the day when you should stop pruning oaks and elms in this area. Sap and bark beetles, the insects that spread the pathogens that cause oak wilt and Dutch elm disease, will soon be active. The beetles are attracted to pruning wounds. While pathologists differ in their opinions on when to resume pruning, it's wise to err on the side of safety. So don't prune oaks and elms between April 15th and October 15th as a rule. I don't know what they have to say about when it's snowing. Uh, but, but at any rate, uh, April 15th, October 15th are when the beetles are active. If you must prune close to or after that deadline, seal the pruning cuts immediately. Wisconsin DNR offers this guideline. Temperatures above 60 degrees for seven consecutive days are considered to be warm enough for the emergence of the beetles that carry oak wilt. If you have any questions, consult a Bartlett Arborist representative because when it comes to beetles, every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malagi. We'll be right back. This is Peggy Malecki. Are you ready to take your indoor gardening to the next level? Then you need to download the Anywhere, Anytime garden booklet from HappyLeafLED.com. You'll learn about lighting and troubleshooting and get advice from the pros about getting your seeds started. You'll also find recipes to enjoy the food you've grown indoors. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and click on the microphone to download the beta version. Jumpstart your seedlings with better light. HappyLeafLED.com. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. <laughs> 
I think we're going to be playing um, holiday tunes for the rest of the uh, show today. Frosty. Frosty. Because it is still snowing like a son of a gun out there. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And, you know, for those of you who are listening to this a week later, you'll be looking outside and it'll be 70 degrees and you'll be wondering, what's uh, what's going on? Okay, let's uh, let's take a phone call. Uh, and I believe we have Deb on the line. Deb, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Deb Moulton, by any chance? That would be me, yes. <laughs> okay, hi. How are you, Deb? <laughs> good morning. Uh, I'm I'm great, and we're just starting to get that snow here, so. And, and, and see, I know that because you asked what the phone number was. What? What That's do you mean? That's right. Who it was. Exactly. Uh, ah, Okay. Uh, and you're, you are in Indiana, right? And so you're just starting to get some of that here, man. It's coming down like crazy in, in Chicago right now. So you, well, I'm supposed to take a a little, a little bus tour of the, um, new Indiana dunes national lakeshore instead of state beat the state park since it's now a national park today. And, um, we're going to be doing that in the snow today, Uh I guess. Today, oh, interesting. They're not canceling it, huh? Okay, you know. And no, it, no. All right, wear wear something uh, waterproof. Is all I got to say. I mean, because it might be raining, it might this be snow. This is Indiana. We don't cancel anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, what did you need to know, Deb? Well, Mike um, and Peggy, I I live in a ground floor apartment, and I have a small garden area there. Mm-hmm. But it's full sun, and I have had trouble any tomatoes to do well. Do you have any recommendations? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, first of all, <laughs> people, they pray for full sun. They bargain with uh, deities for, <laughs> for for full sun. And you're telling me, now, how, you say full sun, and it's a garden apartment, how many hours a day of sun do you have? As long as it's light out, that's how much. Really? So it just sunrise to sunset. You're getting sun. Yeah, because it's a southern. It's in southern exposure. Is the garden so it gets? It just gets it all the time. Fantastic. Okay, we got a good start there. And you've tried growing tomatoes, and what has happened? What has happened to the tomatoes? Well, um, I tried growing them in containers, and they did absolutely nothing. It was terrible. All right. Quick question. Um, Quick question about that. How big were the containers? Those five-gallon ones, like plastic ones. Okay. That is marginal. That's marginal size. Uh, You might, if you get lucky. You know, I would think if if I had a five-gallon container and I I had the wind behind my back and everything (laughs) else going well for me, I might get some cherry. (laughs) I, I might get some cherry tomatoes out of it. Uh, yeah. but the container's too small is what I would tell you at the outset. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Cause I didn't even get a blossom. Nothing. Wow. Did you get plants? Yeah. Were they healthy? Yeah. Yeah. They were fine. All right. Second question. Yeah. But what? Okay. There's going to be two more. Qu- there's two <laughs> main questions I'm going to ask. And I had for, another question. Too. I, I'm sure you do. You can ask me anything you want. I know anything that requires no, 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 no. a lot we're, of intelligence. We're gonna we're gonna walk through this. Uh, but uh, you have what was your soil like in there? 
What'd you put in? I had a combination of really nice black dirt and um, and some a little bit of potting soil that I kind of had left over from another bag that I was potting stuff with. Okay. Um, I did put some drainage in the bottom of it, like some pebbles in it, because I just think that's a good idea. Instead of having just you know water or the dirt be so solid. Uh huh. Um, so that was pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's a couple of things. All right. First of all, where'd you get the soil from? You said you you had dirt. Did you like dig it up in your yard? I don't have my own yard to do that with, so I would probably get evicted from my apartment for doing that. <laughs> okay. So you brought in bagged soil. <laughs> yeah, I had I bought it back. Okay. All right. So it was something in a bag, uh, and then you added uh, some potting mix. So. Then what kind of fertilizer did you use? Well, um, I didn't. It's probably an issue. Aha. All right. There's You got several things going on here. One is, uh, let's talk about the the pot. And you put the pebbles in the bottom mm-hmm. for drainage. Mm-hmm. I, under, I understand why you do that, because it used to be something that gardeners were told to do all the time. Uh, it's a myth. It does not add to the drainage at all. It actually creates an interface between the soil Mm -hmm. and the pebbles layer that prevents water from draining. So it's trapping your water. It's trapping your water in the soil. Ah. And and so what happens is, you know, folks folks thought they were putting in the pebbles or uh, popcorn, the polystyrene popcorn in the bottom or, you know, rocks or shards. Uh, and the idea was that they thought it would allow the water to go someplace, but what happens is it gets to that level and stops, and then the pot fills up to the top of the soil line again before it can actually drain. So that's the Hmm. physics behind it. It seems counterintuitive, but that's the way that works. We're we're getting some comments coming in from Joey Baird, too. Ah, on where? Um, Facebook. On Facebook. Well, you can tell me what it... So he's suggesting, going back to the pot, a 10-gallon grow bag, try that, as opposed to getting a big pot. Uh So when you start talking about fertilizer... Well, we haven't even gotten to fertilizer yet. So I'll add that comment when you get the fertilizer. Because, uh, well, but go ahead. So he, he says, if you've got no blossoms and a healthy plant, perhaps there's too much nitrogen in the soil. That's okay. what I was thinking, too. But the problem being, you didn't even put fertilizer in there. And, and tomatoes are heavy feeders. Um, they do like their nutrients, but you can't just load it with nitrogen. And what, what Joey is talking about, and people have seen this before, that they will grow perfectly healthy tomato plants that don't produce a blossom. Mm-hmm. And it's often because they're using the wrong fertilizer. They're using a fertilizer that's way too high in nitrogen. So you have to... You know, the best thing for you to do is get a fertilizer that is recommended for tomato plants. Get one. Go to a local independent garden center. Exactly. Go to a local independent garden center and pick and tell them what's your best. What do you like? You know, and I I, and I always advise people to do this because I don't want to tell them what product they need to use. Um, I think it's a good idea to send them to the local independent and when, and I mean not a box store but a local independent garden center uh and and Dan Costa I'm thinking of you as I say that um ask them what they not only what they carry what do they like mm-hmm. you know and if you're if you're uh, an organic person 
Uh, you might even be a vegan and say, I don't want any uh, animal products right. in my fertilizer. So there's different kinds right. of things you can do, different kinds of fertilizer. Ask them what they recommend. And then do me a favor, Deb, follow the label directions, whatever it tells you on there. So, for instance, if Joey says use a 10-gallon bag, uh, what, what, how did he describe The grow bag. The grow bag, which you can use, and they're, and, and they're easy to handle, uh, and you can grow tomato. And they're easy in. to store at the end of the year. Um, follow the label directions and put exactly in what they want you to put in there. Here's another uh, thing I would tell you. Don't use the soil you used last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I would suggest, okay, okay w- w- one of the things that Joey was pointing out and, and I was going to point out to you, you got some soil that probably didn't have a lot of nutrients and you mixed it with seed starter or probably it's a, what or, they call a soilless mix, which is, is, or is a potting soil, mix. potting soil mix, which is basically peat moss and perlite, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe. It's, yeah, it's to be really light. Um, and it doesn't have nutrients. Um, one of the things about using a lot of folks want to use uh, peat moss, sphagnum peat moss. It has no nutrients, so if you can find a compost to put in there, you're off to a better start. Um, and again, okay. you, you can go to an independent garden center and say, "Hey, what kind of compost do you have?" And they often have it in bags. And there are there are products that I would recommend. We saw uh, Sandy Seberg uh, write in just a second ago. Purple Cow. Uh, I like Midwest Ground Covers here in the Chicago area. Um, there's some Doctor Earth products that mm-hmm. I like. Um, there's there's a bunch of stuff out there, um, and use the one uh, that you feel comfortable with. And but get a good recommendation on that. Don't just grab any. Don't don't use the luck of the draw. You going into a box store and saying, and it's on sale. That looks yeah, it's on sale. No, go to a, you know if you're going to grow tomatoes, get it done right. Give them a a good fighting chance to begin. So don't go to a, a garden center casino. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, if you want to play uh, the the slot machine there, yeah, you could, you could do that. What? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to ask one of the other questions um, that I would have because you said it's full sun. How hot does it get yeah. where the tomato is? If it's well, full sun all day, are you in front of brick or dark? Summer you're talking about, but it, it gets it probably is an average of ninety degrees all the time. Well, and here's the other thing that um, again. Once tomato is large, tomato plant, it's going to take a lot of sun. Any container you put in full sun, mm-hmm. it's going to require a lot of water. Uh, it needs, and what it needs is consistent watering. And it's possible you might have to water it more than once a day, depending on how hot things are. Um, now, now this is going to be my next question, Mike. Um, now, I don't have an outdoor spigot for water, so I have to just use a watering can. Now, how much, you know, how 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 do I know what if I've watered it enough? Well, if uh, probably because it's draining out the bottom. And when you start to see that... You... Well, no, I mean, if it's in the ground, if I do one in the ground. Oh, if you do one in the ground. Uh, yeah. uh, that's a good question. Um, the, the recommended watering is an inch a week. But uh, as we've heard before, an inch of water, which is... If you were getting, you know, an inch rainstorm a week, theoretically that would be okay. But you want to, you might want to spread that out over time. And in a hot week, it might be two inches. So somewhere in that ballpark, uh, 
you can check the soil. One of the things I would do is mulch around the plant so it's going to conserve some of that uh, soil. Okay. And, and, and you well, can even use, in the container mulch it. Yeah, and you can use uh, don't the only about the only thing you shouldn't use is wood chips. You could use uh, grass clippings. You can use leaves. You can use uh, there's uh, plastic. If you want, um, can I use, clean straw. Can I use um, straw, right? stuff that I'm cleaning up out of my garden this spring for mulch? As long as it's not diseased. Uh, yeah, like you, I have, like um, you know, just the the remnants of my irises and things like that that I'm going to cut off know, and so forth. So. I would probably you could if if you compost them. Hang on a second. We'll get back to Deb and her tomato question. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine. And for the past nine years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier and more sustainable lives. Pick up your copy of Natural Awakenings each month and enjoy inspiring information about integrative health, local and organic foods, creative expression, personal growth, our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in locations throughout Chicago and suburbs or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you ripe and don't get a heart. And try not to slip on the snow as you're, <laughs> while you're picking those tomatoes. While you're picking your tomatoes in your backyard. It's still coming down horizontally. Oh my goodness, it's just ridiculous. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Inside, we're talking tomatoes. Outside, we have a snowstorm. That's the way these go. Oh, well. Things go. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Deb on the line. We're talking tomatoes. Uh, I've got a couple other things I'm going to get across. So here's here's what, you know what you need to do is is get, I know you're a fan of libraries, Deb. Um, one of the places yeah. you could go is uh, grab a great book called Epic Tomatoes by Craig Lahoulier or Lahoulier. Uh, and look him up as well on YouTube and Facebook. He's got a ton of videos. Um, and uh, Rick Lahoulier, you said. Yep. Yeah. L e h o u double l i e r. Right. You can also go to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Go to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener because go online because they have videos. In fact, the, the guy we've been talking awesome. to, uh, who Joey Baird, who, Joey Baird has been uh, writing in and giving us advice along the way here. You want to, you know, if you're going to put them in the soil, you still got to amend your soil. You got to have, you have soil. Everything starts with the soil. Everything is great soil. It's, it's the biology. It's the biology, stupid. And uh, as we always say on the show, not to you, Deb, necessarily. <laughs> um, but uh, so. Wah, wah, wah. Wah. Uh, in terms of watering, uh, if they're in the ground, you just make sure that the roots, you're, you're watering deeply. Don't sprinkle on top of the plant. Try not to get the leaves wet, especially if you're watering later in the day. Try to water earlier in the day. 
uh, and 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 get one to two inches depending on how hot things are outside. Um, Consistent, at, though, as Joey Baird points out, that if it gets too hot, you'll get drop, you'll get a blossom drop, which means you won't get the uh, the uh, the the uh, the fruit setting for you. But you know, nature right. has nature has a way of evening that out. It's not going to be ninety five degrees every single day. Well, it might be this summer. We don't know. Uh, as yes. we get into it, climate change. So go. basically, we're talking good soil. We're talking good drainage. We're talking uh, uh, good uh, fertilizer. We're talking and a large enough container. A large enough container, um, and watering consistently, as Peggy said, because if you water inconsistently, meaning that it gets really dry for a few days and it sort of dries out, and then you you then you blast it with water, you might get blossom end rot. Mm-hmm. This is caused by inconsistent. So you want the water. To be consistent to the tomato. So all these things, and the best place to, to get rolling is read a couple of those sources. Go to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener online. Grab Craig LaHoulier's book. Uh, there are other great books out there. I don't have any. Maybe somebody can suggest one uh, during the rest of the show, some other good tomato books. Um, and uh, and do a little research. you got plenty of time. And, uh, and just give yourself the optimum conditions to have tomatoes this year. I would, I'm going to work hard on that. And, and just using regular tap water is fine, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. it, there are always issues with what what is your municipality putting in there. Uh, but in general, right. I, you know, I was at a conference. Uh, Peggy, you were sitting in the room with me when a guy from the University of Illinois uh, said, when it comes to that, yeah, alkalinity, pH, you know, pH of your water is an issue, but so is uh, chlorine and other mm-hmm. things. And he said, better that you water than that you don't, you know, even if you're using tap right. water, cause it's, yeah. we're drinking it. So we're not dropping dead, you know, like flies, unless you got a lot of lead in your water, you might not want to use that or other things. But yeah. Or, or, or you let the tap water so sit out, let the tap water sit for a while before you water. You could do that too, because that's what I do oh, with, yeah. yeah, I put it in a milk jug, let it uh, gas off for 24 mm-hmm. hours. And then you could water with that and yeah. just and when you water water it at the base of the plant let the let the uh water soak in and that's the way to water mm-hmm. those tomatoes we're going to get going here deb thanks well, i want to be i want to be able to call back in 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 a few months and, and tell you what how wonderful my tomatoes are yes <laughs> i i want you to do that too all right and if you've got any other questions shoot me a message you know i'll respond uh, to it deb you know, I, one real quick one is just when are we going to get together to go shopping for tomatoes and, and fertilizer? <laughs> uh, okay. Give me that a was ho- a joke. That no, was a no, joke. no, no, no. It's a holler. Give me a holler. I might I might end up down that way and maybe we'll do that. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for all your good advice. I really appreciate it. And I love your show. All thanks, right. Deb. Thanks, Deb. Thanks for listening. Uh, that was, uh, there goes Deb. Thank you so much. 877-711-5611. A couple of things we want to get to. We've just got a few more minutes. Uh, you wanted to get so- to something there, Peggy. Well, a couple things. Um, call for entries. It's opening tomorrow, 2019 Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, so you... you can go to chicagogardeningawards.org if you live in the city of Chicago. And uh, anytime from tomorrow to the end of June, enter your backyard garden, enter the garden at your condo, enter your urban garden, your community garden, your Garden at the bank, the uh, shared garden with other neighbors. But you have to live in the city of Chicago and just yes. make, making sure that uh, that is about the only criterion that, uh, you know, otherwise just however. And 
Make sure it's not snowing when you uh, start well, your garden. And it'll be interesting to see the photos we get this year when people took their photos. If there's snow in the photos. Uh, there will be when I get home today. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to point out that Casey Tomato did write to us. Um, uh, he tweeted that some of his varieties are available, like Gary Osena. Is that how you pronounce it? Oshana? Um Get us a title that we can pronounce, Casey. Uh, then there's Dora, Lizbert. Uh, there's one other that I'm not going to say, uh, but he's, uh, because it's a little scatological, uh, but he's working on making others available through seed sort uh, seed, seed increases. Increase. So uh, some of, so how would they order those? You say they're available, but where are they available, Mr. Tomato? So I wanted to uh, get that out there. Uh, also, That's cool. thank you, Casey. Gary Oppenheimer from Ample Hor- <laughs> Ample Harvest Ampleharvest dot org um, wrote to remind people that they're doing a survey at Ampleharvest dot org, and it's the home community well home slash community gardener survey for the twenty eighteen growing season. Yeah, it's about what you grew. Last year, they're getting information to determine how much excess food America's home and community gardeners grew last year and to evaluate the impact gardeners like you can have in reducing Mm -hmm. food loss and improving the health and well-being of your community. So go to ampleharvest.org for that information. Good thing to do on a... Snowy yeah, Sunday really. Afternoon. Find yeah. out what what you grow yeah. last year. How much excess did yeah. you have? It's it's great stuff. Which kind of gets into assessing last year, planning this year. All the plant sales are coming up. Right, yeah. and uh, if you want information, we just put up a great resource, and I got to give kudos to Ellie, and my friend Mac, and to Kathleen, uh, who put together this fantastic resource of garden sales. In the Chicago area. So if you're listening elsewhere, oh, well. Well, you can drive to Chicago and get yeah, plants. Yeah, or do your own local list. But, yeah, exactly. it's vegetable, all the little vegetable sales, cold crops, warm crops, perennials, and native plant sales. And and they took they stole from a lot of garden sale lists. They integrated. Um, they, 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 they carefully borrowed. They ripped off a bunch <laughs> of other garden sale lists and put a— But we gave credit. Co- we did. Yes. And we gave we give credit uh, on the site and go to mikenovak.net and on the right side of the screen you will see a little graphic that says garden sales click on it plant it, sales I'm sorry plant sales <laughs> plant sales 2019 plant Chicago sales, plant sales 2019 Chicago area plant sales it will take you to the page and I don't know how many on there. There's a lot. And there's a lot. Scattered throughout the Chicago area. And I think there's a couple in northwest Indiana. So, Deb, if you're still listening, check those out as well. And we think uh, this is this might be the most comprehensive list in the area. So, so share it, please. So we're, we're very, very proud of that. All right. In the second hour. We're talking we're, trees. And climate change. And what your trees can do to help fix climate change uh, so stick around for that we got a, probably a few other announcements uh and uh maybe even the monarch migration update it's the mike novak show with peggy molecki stick around after the news we shall return captain's log started 42326.1 
The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer Asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And I see that we woke up KC Tomato. He's in full Twitter mode now. I, wonder, I don't even know what the weather's like out in I don't Kansas even know, City. I don't even know if he's listening. It just I know he's, he's on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah, what is the weather like there in Kansas City? Coming down here. Snow. Uh, anyway, he wrote uh, in response to our questions and the varieties that are available. He said, Sandhill Preservation Center, Gourmet Seeds, has Bear Creek. If one Googles the variety names with tomato seed, as in Dora tomato seed, as in Liz Burt, B-I-R-T, tomato seed, they will find sources. Also, cool. he's traded some in Seed Savers Exchange. So these are places where you can get some of KC Tomatoes varieties. Hmm. Um, and he says, have you uh, ever interviewed or do you know about Sand Hill Preservation Center in Iowa? No, we have not had them on the show. So they just got added to the list, KC Tomato. Thank you very much. We'll be checking with you for contact details. Uh, what do you want to do here? Straw bales first or, sure. or monarchs? Straw bales, you might as well. Real quick. Because we have a few. Uh, <laughs> There's a sitting, few available. Sitting out back. Well, I might use some, but I might give away yeah, some. I did, and I did put the one I brought home into the garage last night, so that's I, nice I'll and dry. I'll tell you what. I'm just going to send that this offer out. If anybody wants a straw bale or a couple of them, an organic straw bale. Organic. Yes, they're not been. They've not been treated with any pesticides. We got them from uh, Moyer Farms in Chilton, Wisconsin. Uh, yesterday, because of listener Dave Tannenbaum, Tannenbaum actually. Who's been on Facebook this morning, too. Oh, really? Yes. Well, good. Hi, Dave. Um, he uh, he turned us on to, uh, well, he, when we when we did the straw bale gardening episode a couple of months ago uh, with uh, Joel Karsten, uh, David says, I'm going to try to get some straw bales. And so he started searching and he realized it was a lot harder than he thought because he's in the Chicago area. To find organic ones. To find organic. Untreated ones. Yeah. Because he would he would check around and uh, they wouldn't wouldn't couldn't guarantee it and and the advice we got from somebody maybe it was David 
was just uh, a good place to start is go to an organic farm and then say, do you have straw bales? Rather than saying, do you have straw bales and are you organic? So start mm-hmm. with the organics. At any rate, David tracked down David Moyer, who's, uh, who, who was, as it turns out, coming to the Evanston Farmer's Market yesterday, the 13th of April. And Peggy and I showed up and got a bunch of bales. And thanks to Ron Calgill, <laughs> whose, whose truck I commandeered. Still has the straw in it. <laughs> it's, I've got straw in the trunk of my car right now. I mean, yeah, not, not the got, bale, but, you know. The there's net, straw in the back seat of my car. Yeah, too, when yeah. you schlep it around, you're, you're going to have straw <laughs> uh, wherever you're schlepping it. Um, and uh, I took the, he, he told us, David told us about two types of straw. One, you know, the, the, or, you know, I'm sure there are many, many types of straw. And you can make bales, by the way, out of almost anything. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, one of the things that we learned from Joel Karsten is he, he takes leaves, he takes uh, plant material. You know, speaking of the plant material that uh, Deb Moulton was uh, mentioning in her yard. You know, my feeling about the Deb is that you, if you don't know whether it had a disease or had a problem, I would get something clean for your tomato. But one of the things that uh, Joel Carson says is you can compact and bale almost anything organic, not twigs because they don't break down fast enough, right. but, but stalks and leaves and that sort of thing. And you can create a bale out of almost anything and you can plant in it. Um, so anyway, we've got these straw bales and uh, I'm hoping to find the time to process them and plant. But I'm just going to put it out there. Anybody in our listening area who wants a couple of bales, I'll, I'll probably give them to you. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, if you're going to really use them, but we so we had two types of bales. We have mainly the oat bales. We got a bunch of those out back, and then there were also the wheat bales, and they have a waxy cover. Mm-hmm. And as David Moyer pointed out, they'll last for much longer, and they don't mat down, and they don't decay. But that's or, for mulching. Yes, for mulching. He says, but there aren't any of those out back. No, we you and I yeah. snatched yeah. those up, so we've got those, so we can use them. But in there our are oat, a few, a couple of oat bales, not a lot available. If anybody's interested, yeah, just know. just throwing it out there. Ah, uh, so thanks to David Boyer and David Tenenbaum and uh, and uh, Nancy Bender just said thank you for bringing those. She brought she bought two of them. Nancy as well. Bender was there and she bought some. Okay, what's our quick monarch migration? Monarch migration. They have started to reach Texas. Um, there's good numbers hitting Texas and Oklahoma already. Apparently, though, there is some cold weather in northern Mexico that's going to slow them down uh, and cold weather that's going to keep them from moving further north. But they're expecting the first pop- first population to be laying the eggs in Texas and Oklahoma for after the cold weather to move further north. <laughs> it's, they're just going to hunker down yep. in the RV. But the numbers are looking good, they're saying. Yeah. Now, you know, and it, it worries me worries me when we have bomb cyclones. And, uh, and especially those named Wesley, and especially those named Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. And uh, <laughs> but it's gone. But it does worry me when we have these intense storms um, until the monarchs disperse. Mm-hmm. They're pretty vulnerable. Yeah. So get into Texas and get out of there. <laughs> you know, that's always good advice. Get out of Texas. <laughs> it's always good advice. Just no matter where you use it oh, and yeah. who, who, you, who you say it to. All right. Coming up, we're talking trees. How trees can help the world retreeing communities and making the world a cooler place to live. Folks from the Morton Arboretum, it's a seminar coming up this Wednesday. I'm part of it. We'll be right back. That's not just a tree in your yard. 
It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett Tree Experts to care for your tree. With 120 offices worldwide, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world, and their techniques are backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories. Call for a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Smart farmers know that good growing starts with good soil biology, and you can't do better than with products from Tinyo Biologicals, the industry leader for 30 years, now available through Blazing Star. You'll find soil and seed inoculants, growth-promoting enzymes, foliar fertilizers, and biostimulants. Whether you're conventional, organic, or in transition, learn about Tinyo's biological farm management system. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. Listen to the show, of course. I couldn't think of a better song to play (laughs) on this day. Uh, Looking across to our guest in the studio, Lydia Scott, the director of the Chicago Region Trees Initiative, sometimes known as CRTI. And what was it like getting in here? It wasn't too bad, actually. Uh, as I was coming south, it was seeming to get worse. Uh, I think it I is. Yeah. Evanston, it was yeah. getting worse. It drove down the Edens? I did. Yeah, I it did. was like blowing straight. It was. Yeah. It was. So it's... she's here. Yay! She, she, uh, she might not get home, but she's here now. So while we've got her. She doesn't her... have to be anywhere uh, till Wednesday. So uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, uh, have, do we have our other guest uh, on the phone as well? And that's Colleen Murphy Dunning. Uh, Colleen, yes, are you? I am here. Hi, good morning. I'm here Con- in New, I can tell you in New Haven, it's uh, the weather is a lot nicer. <laughs> what is the weather like in New Haven today? It is nearly sixty. I have a feeling, though, that this storm is coming your way. I don't. It's not like that uh, bomb cyclone that went spinning up into Canada. I think this one's going across the country. So I think you're getting this tomorrow or the next day. So. I bet you're right. That tends to be the case. We, yeah. we watch your Chicago weather and wait for it to head our way. <laughs> Not always. Not always. And and later in the program, we'll have uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio, who's going to bring us up to date on everything that's going on. So you might want to stick around for that. But uh, meanwhile, I'm very pleased to have 
uh, both of the guests on the show today. Colleen is uh, uh, from the Hickson Center for Urban Ecology and the Urban Resources Initiative at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut, as we mentioned. So she's safely ensconced in Connecticut for the moment. Uh, and you guys are part of something that's happening this Wednesday that um, I got dragged into. Uh, <laughs> and I love it, though. I Actually, this is the kind of thing I, I love to do. Yeah, It's going to be a great you know, last week, evening. This past week, I was uh, moderating a conference on food uh, for Angelic Organics Learning Center and Green City Market in Chicago. And that was at uh, the uh, Goose Island. What do they call it? Not uh, Goose Island. Bar- not Barrelry. The go- <laughs> There's lots it's of. Ba- the, uh, Goose Island Barrel House. Barrel House. Or Barrel I, Warehouse, I knew, if you look it up on GPS. Right. I knew it had something to do with Over barrels. And there were barrels along the wall. We talked food policy. This week, um, I'm heading over to the Morton Arboretum for the seminar I mentioned before, How Trees Can Help the World, Retreeing Communities and Making the World a Cooler Place to Live. And, of course, we use the word cooler in, uh, in both of its uh, uh, definitions, uh, but definitely physically cooler. This is one of the things we can do. So... Uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion that day about urban areas uh, because we have a couple of sections to the seminar that we'll be doing. And by the way, there's going to be at least three PhDs on the stage. The two I have here are not the PhDs, right? There's no PhDs in the house here or... I'm nope. not a PhD. No. No. Okay. Yay! I feel I feel much safer. No, it's, it's, it's Bill, Jeff, and Bill, Jeff, and Chuck are the PhDs. Right. Uh, here, here's here's the panel that we're going to have is uh, Bill Schlesinger, uh, a bio, uh, bio, biochemist. Is that is that how you pronounce that? Uh, and former director of the Cary Institute. He's coming in from Maine. Uh, he was part of a paper that was written recently. In fact, I put it on my blog at MikeNovak.net, um, uh, and it uh, it was in this uh, journal called Science Advances, and he was one of the writers. And as it turns out, uh, we had an article, Colleen, uh, Yale Climate Connections uh, wrote an article about this study uh, that said that America's trees, soils, and wetlands each year capture around 11% of the nation's emissions, according to the EPA. And in this study, they calculate that they could be harnessed, these uh, areas could be harnessed to sequester up to 21% of net annual emissions of the United States. Uh, and that's just the United States. So, uh, let's start with you, Colleen. Uh, what is it that uh, on your end uh, in Connecticut and at Yale that you're doing to uh, address this issue? Well, we are very focused on tree planting in the city here in New Haven um, because just as you pointed out in the study, the trees will sequester carbon, but they do that plus much more. So um, as just one example with this title of Making Cities Cooler, of course, cities um, have a lot of heat from the asphalt and all the built environment where the sun's energy, you know, um, locks into that heat of the um, surface areas that are concrete or asphalt, the built environment, and that's what we call the urban heat island where we have higher temperatures simply because of the landscape 
with impervious surface. So if we can plant a lot of trees in the city, um, that the tree cover provides shade, and that then can reduce the temperature in the city. So that's just in one example besides the carbon sequestration, that the trees are providing this important ability to help cool the city. And of Mm -hmm. course, then in the summer, if it's cooler, we will use less energy, we'll use less air conditioning. So it's, again, coupling it with with climate change, important that we reduce our consumption of energy, which is really what's driving climate change. Ah, so there are... Just just as one example that this kind of cooling environment, can we improve the physical environment of a Mm -hmm. city by planting trees? Um, through increasing the food cover that the trees are providing. All right. And by the way, Bill Schlesinger is a biogeochemist. I, I, if I could read, then uh, I, I would be able to tell you that. <laughs> and by and the others are Jeff Walk, Ph.D., Chuck Cannon, Ph.D. He's from the Morton Arboretum. And, and of course, Colleen and Lydia mm-hmm. uh, are all on the panel. So... Uh, getting back to this idea that we can cool our cities, uh, there's uh, sequestration as well. Uh, I will direct this to you, uh, Lydia, because you're doing this in the Chicago area, and you're working with not just the city of Chicago, but surrounding area uh, in in working on the the idea of provide well, putting more trees into our landscape. Um, is this a fool's errand? to do this or can we have a real impact? I mean, I know the study says we could take it from 11% to 21%. Is that good enough for us to actually change uh, the, the, the situation on the planet as we approach two degrees centigrade? Well, I think if you speak to the individual homeowner who has a big tree on their property and mm-hmm. uses less energy, you would find that that tree, that one little tree, is making a significant impact to their uh, usage of energy as well as the temperature in their home. So I think tree by tree, we can make a significant difference on individuals' lives. And then collectively, we've we've been analyzing and studying the urban forest in the Chicago region, which is seven counties. Uh, for the last 10 years, um, we, we did a census in 2010, and we're getting ready to repeat it again in 2020 that has helped inform us about the species composition, so we know about vulnerability to climate change for the individual species. We know what our canopy cover is, so we Mm -hmm. can identify how we can increase the canopy in the Chicago region. And CRTI has set a goal to increase our canopy by 4% by 2050, which we believe will have a significant impact. And what we've done is we've prioritized communities and areas within the Chicago region based on a number of factors, um, not the least of which is impervious surface, which we know causes an intense amount of heat collection from mm-hmm. uh, radiation. And then we also have severe runoff uh, so that as we experience some of these climate change impacts from increased storm events, increased precipitation in the spring and winter, we can start to proactively address some of those issues so that we can have a, a significant change on individuals as well as communities across the Chicago region. And what kind of buy-in are you getting on this? We're getting good buy-in. Uh, what we have done is we have, have, have put this information for individual communities on our website, mm-hmm. which is chicagortiorg And you can go there and click on your community and pull up to see exactly what your canopy cover mm-hmm. is, where you have opportunities to improve your canopy, and also look at a heat map that shows you where you have these high temperatures in your community and you can actually start to make a difference. And the communities that we've begun to work with are starting to utilize this information to help make decisions in their community about where they should prioritize planting, where understanding where their vulnerable populations are and how those in those areas often we have less canopy. 
So mm-hmm. we're starting to see some changes uh, ha- take yeah. place. It's interesting looking at the interactive canopy map that you have up on that website of just where, how few area, how some areas have so few trees versus others. It's very interesting. And what we found is some of the communities that have the fewest trees or the most impact from impervious service, the top two or three are really not under-resourced communities. It's, those are communities that have elected mm-hmm. to do significant development in their community so that they don't have as much green space and they have more impervious surface. But when you go below those, you'll often find that those are communities that have uh, under, that are under-resourced and that really need help in getting trees. And getting back to uh, the the event that we're going to have on Wednesday and the panel discussion, uh, the two big questions for that panel discussion are, are trees the problem or the solution? I'm sorry, are cities the problem? I can't read anything today. Are, <laughs> the city, snow. <laughs> are, are cities the problem or the solution? Are trees the answer? Um, and I would posit that in terms of are cities the problem or the solution, you're stuck. We're stuck. This is the the way the planet is going now. There's there's no turning back. So if cities are the problem, we we're in a world of hurt. We have to learn how to adapt with the idea that we have cities. And as Peggy pointed out, and and I want to go to you uh, on this, Colleen. Um, in urban areas out east, uh, mm-hmm. you, we have to hit the 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 deepest urban parts, the most asphalt paved over and concrete paved over parts, because we can't just leave those to their own devices. So what what can be done on your end to to adapt to what cities bring to the table, which is uh, a lot of problems? Right. So um, as Lydia was pointing out, the same is true here in New Haven or New York or Boston or Chicago, that, you know, all of our major cities have, you know, have developed a lot and have a lot of impervious surface. So we're, so, you know, we're challenged to be able to increase the tree canopy. I would say this is a place where the public has a major role that they can play because on private land, the opportunity to plant in people's yards is um, not only an ideal place for the tree, you know, the growing conditions are better um, versus, say, between the sidewalk and the street, which is really the public domain of a street tree. Right. It's not mm-hmm. the ideal growing condition for a tree. So the public can play an enormous role in planting on their own property. Um, you know, but, but, you know, or on parkland. But we see um, even in the limited areas of the, that narrow strip between the street and the sidewalk or in parking lots, those are also places that we, we, where we need to also plant. And a, a little different here in New Haven than, than Lydia um, pointed out is that most of our lower canopy neighborhoods in New Haven are lower income with um, lower home ownership and high unemployment. And these are our most socially vulnerable communities. Mm-hmm. And in climate change events, they are the ones who will be greatest affected. So um, just as an example, on a, thinking about major storms like Hurricane Katrina, um, which we, you know, all witnessed through the news of people who were most impacted are those who could not get away from the storm. Um, and, and the same with the heat. Um, people who are most affected tend to be first the elderly, but also the elderly who are low income. So, and that's because they don't have um, either access to air conditioning or perhaps their homes are not safe so they don't feel that they can leave their windows open. 
So we see um, not just in the United States, but really around the globe, cities where um, you know where you have uh, lower income people are the most vulnerable, and we have to think about how do we work in the landscape where they live to try to address um, some of the challenges we know are coming in terms of major storm events or major heat events. Boy, have you opened up. And really, trees can be part of the solution. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I don't want to be too gloomy because the really trees can be, I think, um, the a really affirming change that we can modify the landscape yeah, and I, increase cover and increase the conditions. I get it, but but you have opened up a can of worms here because uh, what you're saying is very important about low-income folks is where the least opportunity to plant trees, the least awareness of how trees might mitigate their lives, and these are also the most vulnerable people. How do we do that? How do we get that message? And, and you talk about planting on what are you know parkways or hell strips. A lot of people call them the uh, the average life uh, of an urban tree is somewhere between seven and ten years. So at least that's what I've been told. And and uh, uh, how do we? That seems to be when people, as you mentioned, Colleen, when people think of planting a tree, they're thinking of planting it in that area, not in in their backyard or in their, even in their front yard. They're thinking of planting it between the sidewalk and the street. We have to get out of that mentality, too, I would imagine. Lydia, you're uh, you're nodding. Well, what we found is that, for instance, uh, there's a community on the south side, Alsup, uh, which is mm-hmm. a great community. We've been working with them, and they're very involved in forestry. They have staff on board that are very supportive of forestry, and we're actually working with them on a subgrant right now. And interestingly, they're one of the exception exceptional communities for us in that they're they're uh, the majority of the opportunity areas for planting is actually in commercial and industrial areas, and so that tells you a little bit about the community itself. Yeah. If there's high industry and there's high uh, commercial area, but they're very invested in trying to make a difference there. So, and it's also an under resourced community, and what they're doing is they're focusing on areas where they have low canopy and where they can begin to replant, and we're working with them to help engage uh, commercial entities or uh, corporate entities that have offices or complexes within their communities where we can begin to help build their capacity by having this collaborative approach of getting public and private entities to work together, which Mm -hmm. is what we're going to have to do. Government is not going to be able to bail us out. Okay, that is Lydia Scott, who is the director of the Chicago Region Trees Initiative. Uh, we also have on the phone Colleen Murphy Dunning uh, from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut. We're talking trees, mitigating climate change. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll have more right after this. What is sustainable seafood and why should we care? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Sustainable seafood is seafood that is either caught or farmed in ways that consider the long-term vitality of species, the well-being of the oceans, and the communities that depend on fishing for their economy. In case you didn't know, our oceans are experiencing severe distress from environmental destruction and overfishing. The Marine Stewardship Council offers labels to make it easier to find fish that is sustainably sourced. So if you love your seafood without plastic microbeads and you want to make sure it is there for future generations, please consider sustainable seafood options. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. 
This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. I kind of thought it might be appropriate to play a song called Runaway Train, <laughs> because that's what it is, uh, folks. Uh, climate change at this point, unless we get involved, we jump in and... Uh, and, and continue to jump in. Yeah. It's, it, this is not, not a one-time effort. This is not a, a spectator sport anymore, folks. You've got to, uh, to engage, and one of the ways you can do that is to plant trees uh, and that's why we're talking to Lydia Scott from the Chicago Region Trees Initiative and Colleen Murphy-Dunning from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Both of those folks are going to be on the uh, dais with me on Wednesday uh, at the Morton Arboretum. I'm going to give a little bit of that information out, too, because the uh, <laughs> Patty McMillan uh, will be tearing her hair out if I don't do that. And uh, <laughs> I, I know how PR people work, but it's important. PR is good. Yeah. Um, and you want to pre-register to help them know how many people are coming. Exactly. Too. It's only 20 bucks for a member and only 25 bucks for a non-member. Uh, the fees include admission to the Arboretum. Um, it's Wednesday, April 17th, 7 to 8.30 p.m. I understand there's a little reception for members beforehand, I think. At, yes, I think that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, In the visitor center. Right. I think 6 to 7, we're doing uh, a little reception for that. But you can be part of this uh, uh, on the 17th by going to uh, mortonarb.org slash courses. And uh, it, there's a bunch of them there. And find the one and click on it and, and register. Um, and you can do it by phone at 630-719-2468, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or just go online. And mm-hmm. do it. And I've got the link on my website, mikenovak.net. Go there and be part of uh, yeah. changing the world. And we should probably say it's presented in partnership with the Chicago Council on Science and Technology. Okay. Uh, I think we got, did we get everything out there? Great. Pa- Patty, do we got it all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, we were talking uh, on Facebook uh, during the break about one of the ways that people can get involved with trees that they already have. And that is to maintain them properly. And what I wanted to tell you guys is that Peggy and I, uh, the other week, went to Charlotte, North Carolina, to the Bartlett Re- Research Laboratory and and spent two days having them show us all kinds of techniques that uh, Bartlett Tree Experts uses 
to uh, to take care of their trees and advances they're making. One of them was how to get trees in tree pits in on city streets grow better. And it was amazing. Yeah. This, uh, the technology they had for that, um, cabling trees, which is a last resort basically, mm-hmm. uh, which takes us to what we were talking about during the break, which is pruning your trees properly or having them pruned. If you don't do it, having in its best, if it's a large tree, obviously you want a, a certified arborist to do that. How does that help Lydia? It's something you were talking about here. Well, what it does is it removes, uh, diseased or declining areas of the tree. So they're, you know, it's it's like us. You, know, you clip your, your fingernails and you mm-hmm. uh, cut your hair in order to keep maintenance uh, up on yourself. And trees, similarly, they have a decline in branches and dead sections that produce themselves. And when storm events occur, those are the areas that fail uh, most quickly. And that's when you end up with flying debris and things down all across your yard. So studies have shown that if you prune your trees on a seven-year cycle, and look for those declined areas or those problems problem areas. Then you can eradicate those uh, from the the issue. And as a result, after these storm events, you don't have the same type of, of debris and, and damage that you get when you're actively pruning. And it's not as dangerous. And one of the things That's that right. you can thin canopy so that it's not a hold, grabbing the wind and then flipping the tree over mm-hmm. where you've seen the the tree root pancake that comes up out of the soil. Once it happens, your tree's gone. It's, yes. you know, I've had, you, people ask you, I'm sure they've asked you all the time, you see a tree that's been partially ripped out of the ground or even on its side and the pancake's up in the air and they say, well, the roots are still there. Can we just pop it back into place? <laughs> <laughs> Not well, usually. In, in those kind of instances, I would just say that um, oftentimes that is some kind of disturbance has happened oftentimes. Either the tree was planted in too small of a tree pit, like a growing area that was too small, and so it was not really mm-hmm. uh, going to support a mature tree, or perhaps there was a new sidewalk or some construction that happened that cut off roots on perhaps one side of the tree if it was a sidewalk, and then that tree is really prone to fail in a big storm when you have major winds. But, you know, if a tree is planted in, in um, and it's a healthy tree and it's an, uh, an appropriate kind of growing space, it's really um, not likely to fail in a storm. But again, I I will bring us back to something we talked about earlier, which is in certain uh, urban areas, and, and I would say suburban as well, for a lot of people in general, this kind of stuff isn't on their radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about lawns uh, on my show, and I live in Logan Square, smack in the middle of the city of Chicago. I don't see anybody using weed and feed and that sort of stuff. It's not on their radar. Mm-hmm. They don't think about it. They also don't hire arborists to come and prune their trees because it's not on their radar. How do we get that information out? Well, CRTI as a partnership, we have a collaboration of organizations that are working together. And one really great way to do that, and I believe you are, uh, is being becoming a tree keeper. Mm-hmm. And we have. I tre- am a tree keeper. Yes, number four seventeen, reporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Open Lands has a really wonderful program. They've been mm-hmm. running for about twenty-seven years, I believe, and they've got thousands of individuals who are trained all ac- across the Chicago area. And those are individuals and communities that can help and assist their municipal staff. And that's something we're working with right now is engaging individuals who are interested in helping improve the urban forest with their municipality. And how do we get them to engage others in their community to learn and understand why it's important to have trees and care for them? So we're looking at rolling, uh, getting a snowball rolling. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. say that easily today with all our snow. Uh, So that we get one little 
effort going, and we just continue to roll it mm-hmm. until we get everybody on board. And for us to be ex- uh, successful with our master plan, which we just completed a few weeks ago, we need everyone in the Chicago region to actively support and value trees. So, Colleen, out by you in Connecticut and through your work at Yale, are there similar treekeeper programs that you guys have developed? Yeah, I, I, I think this is true in most major cities, um, that there are programs like this. And in New Haven, we, you know, we agree education is key for the public to be engaged and um, play their part in thinking about the future of our planet together. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think environmental problems we face in our world are going to be solved by environmental professionals alone. It's going to require the entire public to care and do their part because really we're also all doing our part to consume in terms of energy and creating this problem. We all need to be part of the solution. So our in our case, we plant all of our trees as part of a green job program or with volunteers. So we hire high school kids who are mm-hmm. perhaps it's their first job who are learning about how to plant trees and take care of the environment. Um, we also provide employment and job training for people who are returning from incarceration into our community as a way of returning it to the community in a positive way. And every tree we plant, we only plant based on a request. And so whoever would like a tree that would get that tree planted for free for them has to promise to adopt and care for the tree. And we provide a lot of education to that person who makes the request and the commitment to adopt the tree. So I agree, it has to be a strategy of really involving the public in the care of our trees and being advocates. Can, um, uh, can I get you to, to, to wax poetic for a, uh, a little bit longer about that, that program? You, you, we talked about it on the phone yesterday and uh, getting people who have been incarcerated and, and teaching them the skills to do this. Um, you know, it's, we've been doing this for about a decade now. It's been really powerful for the adults who participate in that program with us that they feel like they are coming back to their community and doing something positive, um, where in past perhaps they had done something that was negative and caused harm. Um, It really softens their return. And um, they're very proud of what they're accomplishing and can point to their, you know, to their kids. Look, dad planted that tree and that tree all around town, um, being able to show their kids what they are doing now that they've come home. Um, And, their reception by the people who request the tree um, and then have these adults plant for them has also been really rewarding and positive where there, you know, there is a stigma from having served, you know, in prison and have that life history of our incarceration. And I feel like this is really softening that stigma. And um, it's, you know, it's really a healing process. It's not just that we're planting trees, but we're really giving people hope who are coming back. Um, you know, who are really facing daunting challenges of, um, you know, trying to find employment and um, get their lives on track. Um, and if that doesn't happen, we, you know, we see this kind of revolving door of recidivism of people. You know, recidivism rates are very high in our country. Um, in Connecticut, it's about 50% of people who return from prison to their community are reincarcerated because um, they commit another crime. And that is really bound to whether they have an opportunity to be employed. So um, if they're employed, they're far less likely to repeat offense and return to prison. And so we've seen in our work, it's closer to 10% of the people who 
um, get employed return to prison versus nearly 50 percent. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen that sort of thing work here in Chicago with Cook County Jail, mm-hmm. teaching uh, agricultural skills, uh, gardening skills. Uh, it's it's really you're right, uh, Colleen. It's very, very powerful. All right. We have about two minutes left. Um, very briefly, what you guys are talking about here today is the social aspect of it. There's also the science aspect of it, which is numbers don't lie. And we can see the temperature rising. Boy, you know, and this is obviously when we when we have the PhDs on the on the on the stage on Wednesday, we'll be able to to dive into that a little bit. What? How do you handle that, Lydia? What do you? Is it important to 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 tell all the numbers, or do you just have to paint a a, a big picture? Well, it's important that individuals know the numbers and know that we're in decline as far as our climate goes, that we need to do something to reverse that that challenge. Mm-hmm. But it is also important to give them hope and understand that there are many things that they can do to help offset this issue and to improve quality of life. And for us, discussing and you know about trees and their impact in the community is what really uh, seems to resonate with people. People enjoy and, and love being around trees, so it's something that they, is tangible that they can see that they can make a difference in. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about those numbers, we want to be sure that they understand that that they can be a a definite improvement or help improve the situation. Because numbers tend to make people's eyes glaze over, and yet you can't do this without the science. It needs to be tangible to them. But if it's the numbers in your own backyard, it's much much easier Well, I want to thank you guys both. Lydia, braving the snowstorm. I'm going to take a photo (laughs) of this, Ellie, and we're going to post it. For DeMaio segment, uh, I'm going to go out and take a quick photo. But Lydia Scott, uh, director of the Chicago Region Trees Initiative, and Colleen Murphy-Dunning from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, New Haven, Connecticut. Thank you both. I will see you on Wednesday. We'll be on the stage. Go to mortonarb.org slash courses. It's from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And we're going to figure out ways to make this a cooler planet with the help of trees. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be back with Rick DeMaio in just a sec. This is Mike Novak. Are you ready to take your indoor gardening to the next level? You need to download the Anywhere, Anytime Garden Booklet from HappyLeafLED.com. You'll learn about lighting and troubleshooting and get advice from the pros about starting your seeds. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and click on the microphone to download the beta version. Your suggestions might be used in the final publication. HappyLeafLED.com. Your seedlings will thank you. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. So we've gone from runaway train to barely breathing, and I just... Well, we had Frosty the Snowman earlier, so... Uh, that's true. I should have played another Christmas yeah. carol, shouldn't I? Especially because you're wearing snow right now. I am. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki 
And uh, we're going to get Rick DeMaio on the phone. Uh, I guess he's there. Rick, hang on just two seconds. Uh, we got this list from uh, Lydia Scott. This is, 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 can I make this public? Is, is um, I don't know that we should. But... Okay, okay, but then we won't. <laughs> but, okay, but I will just say it's a list of municipalities in the Chicago area where uh, there is, uh, how would you describe it, Lydia? They, they have high impervious surface, low okay. canopy. They have uh, high vulnerable populations. Yeah. Um, they mm-hmm. have uh, high heat. I bet they have. They high... have a lot of industry. Yes. Yes. And, and I bet they and have warehouses. A flooding as well. Um, they may contribute significantly to yeah. flooding. A couple of them. And now. I'm not going to name the communities, but it's not what you would think. I I look at, <laughs> I I, I w- see. This is just going to make people go. What? I know what. <laughs> what? So they need to come. Uh, to the talk and hear more about this, but this is uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, while the snow's coming down. And I've got a photo of it that Ellie is about to post. And Rick DeMaio, uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio, is on the fo- phone. Uh, what's this all about, Rick? It's, it's what's called white fertilizer. <laughs> He's got some snow splaining to do. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No. Hey, guys, I love this stuff. Absolutely love it. Well, I do too. Actually, it's kind of fun. It, but I went out there. Yeah, it's great. I'm out. I'm out walking my dog. My dog is actually pushing his head through the snow, going, "This is cool. This is not kind of neat. It's, <laughs> it's different than mud. It's still kind of soft. It's still kind of spongy." And he's having a blast in it. Is it actually sticking out there? I see it on some of the windshields. I'll, I'll tell you though. Oh my God! Oh, there's there's easily two inches peg on on many um, grassy areas up here in Evanston. Uh, the streets probably got about a. I'd say maybe a coating of slush. The, the main highways will be fine. Yeah. But if you yeah. go out, you know, west of, say, I-355, where there's a really narrow band of very heavy snow developing, uh, there's already reports of two inches from O'Hare south and southwestward. And, and those are the areas that are clearly going to get probably up to four inches wow. um, on the grassy surfaces and probably one to two inches on many of the streets. And I was telling some of my snow people, couple of days ago that it makes no difference what your temperature is the day before or that quote strong april sun uh if it snows hard enough even in the early morning the middle of the day you're going to accumulate to three to four inches easily the only places where i think the snow is probably not going to accumulate that much is probably within maybe about a mile or so of lake michigan mm-hmm. downwind of the lake that's because the lake water temperature is 38 degrees and that little bit of a northeast component off that 38-degree lake water will probably keep things right around 33 and a half, maybe 34 degrees. But O'Hare Field for about an hour was basically 32 degrees and heavy snow with a visibility of a quarter mile. That's pretty impressive, even for this time of the year in this part of the area. We don't see many storms like this. I think, in fact, uh, past the 14th of April, we've only had maybe about a half dozen or so snow events greater than two inches. So I guess you can say this goes down as kind of an historic event. It it absolutely is. Now, this is not part, from what I understand, this is not part of that bomb cyclone, right? This is something that came afterward. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, we, we, we're getting, like, carried away with these, like, term bomb cyclones. I mean, we bomb <laughs> Named cyclones. bomb cyclones. I mean, I mean well, it's, it's kind of weird because we've had, you know, rapidly deepening storm systems across the middle of the country for the last 100 years. But all of a sudden, it's like um, the bomb cyclones 
you know, phrases like where the polar vortex is. Exactly. Cyclone simply means, if I can refer to this from a meteorological standpoint, is when a storm system develops at least one millibar per hour over a 24-hour period of time, so you could deepen about 24 millibars. Usually those are the kind of ones that you see along the East Coast. Uh, but, you know, we get them in the Midwest all the time, and clearly it developed, you know, it produced, you know, nearly 20 inches of snow across South Dakota, about a foot from Minneapolis up to Green Bay and points northward. Uh, the one that's coming through now is more of a severe weather producer. Nearly five people killed overnight across parts of the southern United States. Wow. And look what it's done to the Masters. They actually moved up the start time of the Masters nearly five hours, which I think is amazing that they've actually taken a weather forecast into account and changed the start time of the final round of one of the wow. you know most prestigious golf tournaments in you know the United States. And I don't even think they're going to get the final round in, guys. It looks like the rain's going to be coming in there in about another hour or two. Wow. And and of course it costs them a lot of money to move up five hours because there's there's thousands of people who are going to be there. That's pretty ama- that is amazing. Plus That's, all of the ad buys. Yeah, uh, all of it is. Just, yeah, I, I think I think all they basically do is they just take everything and just you know, from an ad buy it just takes everything and moves it up about four or five hours. The big question is whether they're going to get the four, the the end of the fourth round in, and quite frankly, I don't think they're going to do it. So even though they do the the right hmm. thing by <laughs> basically, excuse me, moving up the start time, at least they're going to allow people to see at least, you know, 13, 14, 15 holes of golf, which they know is super important because why? Tiger Woods is a shot back, and that means everything right now. You know, golf has been, is now ruined again for me. I was enjoying it. Why? Because it's all, it's all Tiger all the time. That's all it is now. So what? It's... So what? Mike, this is a guy <laughs> who went through two back surgeries. I know. He's 43 years old. And he's playing along with the guys who are in, like, their mid-20s. I think it's great. I, I got a tiny little violin for him right here. <laughs> you can't hear it because but, it's really tiny. Uh, but, I get I mean, it. but that's important when someone can come back from, you know, something like I that. Know. That's a pretty serious deal. It is a serious deal. his level. I he's, think it's great. He's a great athlete. <laughs> and, and it's, he, I, I put my non-violin listening Hearing aids on, by the way. <laughs> okay, and I have to tell you the one of the re- and and when we use the, the term bomb cyclone here, it's it's tongue in cheek. And and one of the things was no, I understand, I understand. Uh, and the weather as, cha- long as, as long as you don't call it like like winter storm Wesley, which is what I think it was called. It was you know, we, oh yeah. Well, it, that, that, they called it Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. And that's why I play yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous, but but again, this is this is a pretty amazing weather system that really was, I think, somewhat related to Wesley because Wesley pulled a lot of cold air on the backside of this of that last mm-hmm. storm system. So the only way you can get really storms like this to develop is to have a lot of cold air that's being pulled into the backside of it. And by the way, while I'm talking to you, I'm actually walking through the 30 mile an hour winds with snow pelting myself. Ah. I say so. If it, in some in some ways, I'm doing a live <laughs> remote for you guys on the radio. Uh, by the way, we just tweeted uh, the photo that I took out front. You can see the the radio station there, and it, this is in Evanston, Illinois. So that's what the snow looks like uh, out front of the radio station. All right, we got two minutes here, Rick. We and need we have a live remote next Sunday. We need to know about that too. Oh yeah, what's the weather going to be next Sunday? Um, well, you guys can enjoy it without me because I'm going to be taking part of Easter services. But where's the remote going to be? 
uh, in Chicago. It's going to be at uh, City Grange, a brand new uh, garden center uh, at the corner of Western and Catalpa in the north side. Is it going to be Chicago. sunny and warm, or are we bundling up? <laughs> I guess that's the way that kind of characterizes spring, isn't it, Peg? Sunny and warm or bundle up. You know, I don't know yet. It does look like we're going to cool down a little bit uh, back into the 40s by the weekend, but before then, we'll get back to 50 degrees tomorrow, and believe it or not, mid 60s Tuesday and maybe even low 70s on Wednesday. So wow. a very up-and-down um, forecast ahead of us. I'll let you know probably by tomorrow what it looks like for your remote on Easter Sunday. But um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as what today is. Hey, good thing that Easter's a week late, right? We'd be remembering Easter 2019 as the snowy one. Uh, okay, uh, quickly. Uh, you got it. Uh, we appreciate it. We, we're glad it's not going to snow next week. Uh, go make an angel, snow angel for us, Rick. <laughs> hey, be careful about saying terms like that on Palm Sunday. They may think I'm asking to come up there a little bit early. <laughs> okay. We'll talk to, you, uh, talk to you later. Take care, guys. All right. Bye-bye. I want to thank everybody who was on the show today, uh, especially Lydia Scott, Colleen Murphy-Dunning, of course, Rick DeMaio, Ellie Sanchez, Andrew Marshall. Uh, until next time, go green or... Go home. Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.